If somebody had to ask you to describe God, what would you say? Some words to describe God. What would you tell them? What are some words to describe God? All powerful. Awesome. Merciful. What are some other words? I mean, we should, I shouldn't, this should just be like, you know, this should be going mighty, marvelous, forgiving. What's that? All knowing. I didn't have one. Passionate. You know, we could have a whole list of words, but tonight we want to look at three words, and if you didn't get where our, the music was going and the song we were going, the first one, like I said, we can look at as holy. And holy is a word that we use over and over in our daily lives. We use holy as a, in the sense of saying, holy smokes, holy cow, holy... We, we use the word holy a lot, not to describe God. And I'm just as guilty as anyone else. In fact, I remember growing up, and it's still the show that is on TV... Um, and I won't, I mean, I'm not encouraging you to watch the show because my parents told me I couldn't watch it when I was younger and I snuck to watch it, but not Family Guy. The Simpsons. And then, and then didn't he always say, didn't, uh, Bart always say, holy cow? Was that what he used to always say? He used to say, holy, holy cow, right? Anyways, I'm not encouraging you to watch The Simpsons, but that word gets thrown out there all the time. Holy. But what, really is holy. And we see Isaiah 6, 1 to 3, and it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting up on a throne, and high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with the two, he flew. And one came to another and said, Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with your glory. The last point, let's go, we can just go back. And, and this is what the seraphim said. Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory. It's, it's showing us right here just how holy our Lord truly is. Why do you think he used holy three times? Does anyone know? Why do they say holy, holy, holy? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy. He could have said that once and it would have described everything, but no. That is how holy our God is. He is holy. He is mighty. We sang the song, Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with your glory. And the question I mean, and when we say and we think of our world, we think of what God created, that is how he shows his holiness. That's how he shows us his existence because he, did, he created all things. Without him, nothing would be created. Nothing would be even thought of. Me and you would not be here. It's only because of God. So what does holy mean? Holy means simply to be set apart. It means to be set apart, to be different, to be not the same as everybody else. As a believer, we are to be set apart. We are to try to strive to be holy like God. That's what it's about. The first part that I read in that book talked about Setting apart everything in our lives for God's purposes. That's what holy is. To set everything apart for God's purposes. To be different. But yet, too much in our world today, we as Christians 
have, have just changed this whole definition of holy because we don't act the way that we should. We don't strive to be like God and try to be like him. And that's why 1 John 1, 5 makes it very clear to us. And it says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. This is where we are supposed to strive to be. We are to strive to be holy. Now let me ask you a question. Can light and darkness coexist? No, right? It's either light or it's darkness. It's either dark or it's plenty light. If we turn off every light in here, it would be dark. If you put on a light, it would be some light. And this is what the, the author here in John is saying. Look, you are to be different. Just as God is different. God is different than anything that's ever been created. He is the creator. We are the created. And yet too many times we want to try to put ourselves as being holy. Holier than thou. Yes, we have to strive to be like Christ, but we have to recognize that we can never reach that standard. And that's why we have to continue in our lives every day to be sanctified, to be set apart. That's another thing we want to look at is this, and holiness is said, to be holy is to be separate. The word sums up everything that makes God who he is, unique from everything and everyone else. Furthermore, because this is more than the characteristic of God, Rather than a summation of all his characteristics, his holiness down and everything else we say about him. God's love is holy love. God's justice is holy justice. His wrath is holy justice. Holy wrath. God's holiness remains in us that he is completely perfect without blemish or spot. God is holy. God, nothing can compare to him. He is holy. He is set apart. There is nothing that we can compare him to. You see, our God is alive. Our God, when people talk about other religion and other gods, is no comparison. Because our God is a living God. There's nothing that compares to Him. Absolutely nothing. I don't know how many of you ever heard, I'm sure you've heard about the Ark of the Covenant, right? What's the Ark of the Covenant? Anyone remember? What, is the, what did the Ark of the Covenant represent? What did the Ark of the Covenant represent? Hmm? God's presence among the people of Israel. And this is just how powerful God's holiness is. In 2 Samuel, as the Ark of the Covenant was actually getting ready to fall down, a guy touched it. And it said in 2 Samuel chapter 6, it says, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah, or Uzzah, whatever, put out his hand to the ark of the God and took hold of it. But the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there basic beside the ark of God. Just because... He touched the Ark of the Covenant. Just because he saw God's holiness. As we see in the first we read, as we know, what did, what did God tell me? You are standing on what type of ground? Holy ground. We notice anyone who ever saw God personally were affected. Right? They were all 
What happened to um, Saul on the, on the road to Damascus? Blinded. You know, everyone who has an encounter with God will be different. It's no different with us. If we truly say that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God, we would be different. We would strive to be holy. We would strive to be set apart. The second word that we could use tonight to describe God is love. Love. And love is a word that, again, we have used too much in our culture today. Well, I love ice cream. I love my dog. I love my cat. I love reading. I love my car. I love TV. I love this. I love that. I love my phone. But what is love? I think we have misinterpreted the whole word of love. Because when we think of love, only one thing to come to our mind is Jesus Christ. God himself. He showed love to us. A love that me and you can't even compare to. We can't even describe. In 1 John 4, it said, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So that is how we sum it up. We can sum it right there. We can start right there and say, you know what? God is love. That's the definition of love. And it is a definition of love. The problem for me and you, though, is as we strive to be like Christ, do we really show that love? Are we striving to show others love? But yet, you know what we do? We can't even love one another. But God loved us. In fact, as we think of human love, we like the way something makes us feel. The way we describe love is the way it makes us feel. We want to get something out of love. It's all about a feeling. It's all about our pleasure. It's all about making us happy. But God's love, agape love, it is about what people need regardless of how they feel about him. You see, we need to recognize that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Not because me and you are good people. Not because we are this special, you know, that we were, you had something to offer. No. Because in ourselves, we have nothing to offer God. It's only because of God's love and his grace and his mercy that he would want anything to do with us. It's only because of what he did on Calvary. And again, as he rose from the grave, as he sent his son to rise from the grave, that that's what separates. And as we see in Romans 5, chapter 6 and verse 8, it says this. But while you were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Now let me ask a question. Did it ever say there, while you were strong, while you were ready, while you were living right, while you were doing all the good things, while you were striving to be like Christ? No, what did it say? While you were weak. At the time, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't say he died for the perfect man. He didn't say he died for the rich. He died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to die. You see, me and you may say, I'm going to die for a good person. I'm going to die for someone in my family. I'm going to take a bullet for them. And Carrie looked at Demi and said, no way. But you know what? That's not what God did. God didn't say, well, you know what? I'm going to die for you because I just love you. And he did do that. Or he didn't say to us, say, you know what? You got to get things right before you come to me. You got to get things right and then I'll come. No. 
He died for the ungodly. He died for me and you, even as his enemies. It says that, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that same chapter talks about that he died for his enemies, that while we were still his enemies, he died for us. Again, think about that for a second. We would die for someone that we really care about. But how many people in this room can say, I'm going to die for someone I hate, an enemy? I could honestly probably say, no one in this room will do that. Yeah, man, you know what? You just, you know, I'm going to use my stuff. Yeah, man, you just stole my car the other day. I'm going to die for you. It doesn't work that way. But what did we do? We sinned. We did all, we, we did everything. God, what do we do to God every day? We deny him. We don't represent him the way that's pleasing him. We're not true ambassadors to him. But yet he died for us. He loves us. You see, he doesn't love us because we do certain things for him. No, he loved us first. And because he, he initiated this love. Me and you did not love God. He initiated this love toward us. That while we were still sinners, he died for us. And I think too many times when we think of God's love, we confuse it, we mix it up. Because you know what we do? Especially when we tell people to come to church. We tell you people, you know what? You got to pretty yourself up before you come to church. You know, you can't come to church like that, man. You can't, you can't be like that. You know, you need to get things right and then come to church. And that is true to a point. But what we do is we think that we have to be perfect. We think you must be perfect to come to church. And I don't know about you, but I never met no perfect person. Whether me and you believe it or not, we're going to fail each other in this room at, at a point. I'm going to fail you. You're going to fail me. But one thing for sure we know that God love never fails. It keeps going on and on. It never stops. You see, that's what I love about God's love because at the same time for me and you, you know, me and my wife, we could be mad at each other. We still love each other. But as again, as we think of human love, it depends on what our feelings are. But we do something against God. He still loves us. There's nothing that can separate us from God. As we sang tonight, your love never fails. And I think too many times we think, and, and, and the reason I think we have a hard time with love is because we think of how we love. But God doesn't love that way. And the last thing is Father. The last, the last word we look at tonight to describe God is Father. And I know the word Father could have a cloud in some of our minds. You know, because when we think of Father, we may think of past experiences or, or things that our Father may have done or they have failed us and do all these things. But we have a Father in God that has never failed us. We have a Father in God that we could see as He showed love to us. He is a perfect Father. You know, I don't have the perfect Father, human Father, but I have the perfect Heavenly Father. That's what it says here as we think of 1 John 3 verse 1. It says, What kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. You see, me and you need to recognize, and it goes right back to the first point. 
We have to be different. We have to strive to be holy. We have to be set apart. And that's why it says here that God love. God has given us his love. Ephesians 1, 4, and 6 says this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as the sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us and beloved. You see, this verse tells us that, look, you had nothing to offer God. But he chose you. He chose to adopt you. Think of adoption for a second. You know, as you know, most of you know, Mercy, our daughter, is adopted. And, you know, I, I just, every time I ever think of this verse and I think of adoption, you know, it, it, it just makes me sad and, and, and it just overwhelms me because I think of what God did for us. That we were strangers of God, that we had no parent, we had no father. We were lost in this world. But yet God adopted us into his family. The greatest family of all. Because you know what? Our families are going to fail. Our families aren't perfect. But God's family is. God is the perfect father. And you know, for me and you, as we think of, as he talked about being children of God, we have a bond that, that goes beyond our blood relatives. Our bond is in Christ. Our bond is a bond that will never end. We will never be separated from our Father, no matter what. He will always be there. That's a Father we can trust. That's a Father that we can truly talk to. That's a Father that's always there to listen. Think about that. We can call on our Heavenly Father at any time. He's never too busy for us. He's never not available to us. Whether we're playing games or whatever we're doing, our Father is always there. Because He's omnipresent. He knows everything about us. Romans 8, 14 and 16 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So tonight I'm here to tell you this. If you call yourself a believer, if you say you have relationship with Jesus Christ, your Father is Him, God Himself. You are a part of His, you are His son, you are His daughter. You can call Him Abba Father, you can call on Him at any time. So the question for me and you is this, why, if we have access, why we have a God like this? A God that is holy, a God that is loving, a God that is our Father. Why don't we take advantage of this? Why don't we represent him in a way that's pleasing to him? Because we know what people always say. The reason why people don't come to know Christ is because us who, who call ourselves sons and daughters of him. Us who call ourselves followers of him. With a reason. 
because we give such a bad testimony. You know, over the next couple of weeks as we continue to look at this next week, not next week because next week we won't have youth group, but the following week we will, we will talk about humans and talk about how imperfect we are and how much problems we have. But I think it's good to start on talking about God because even in our imperfections, we can find perfection in Him. We can strive to be like Him. So tonight, how do we apply this to our lives? How can we take anything from this? Well, first of all, we have to understand that only God is holy. So no matter what we ever say about holy, holy smokes or holy cow, whatever we say, there's only one thing that's holy, and that's God. And the thing is, that's our problem, that we use these words so much that in, fact, in, in some cases they've lost their meaning. They've lost their, you know, the dynamic, you know, just, it lo- it's lost its, I don't know the word, but it's just lost everything of it because we overuse these words not to describe God. Secondly, God's love is shown to us even when we don't show love back to him. Even in times when we are so, you know, so down the dumps that, you know, sometimes we wonder if God really loves us. He does. He continues to love us. He loved us while we were his enemies. What a what a what hope that is for us. And the last point is this: He is a father that we can depend on. He is a father that no matter what, we can depend on him. He's not gonna be too busy. He's not interested in what we have to say. He's interested in all that we have to say and do. And I think too many times why this word gets lost is because we compare him to our fathers on earth. And we think of just some of us have bad relationships and and stuff is like, well, why do I want to depend on that father? But he is a heavenly father that we can find hope in, a perfect father. So I challenge you as, as we... Close now. We have a, a psalm we are close with, but, you know, and this is just for you to listen and just listen to the words. You know, I, I want you to just think about, just think about God. And just think of how holy he is, how loving he is, and how great of a father he is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all you've done. We thank you for our hope that we have in you. Thank you that you are a father that that we can depend on, that is always listening to us. And Father, we thank you for your love, that you loved us, that while we were still your enemies. And Father, we just thank you for your holiness. And Father, even now as we listen to this song, I pray that we would just continue to have an attitude of worship. And I just thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, Creator, you hold our hearts together. There's no one higher than you. 
Redeemer, Defender, our great and mighty Savior, there's no one higher than you. You are always with us, gracious to forgive us. By your power we've been set free. And Lord, we stand amazed in your presence. There's no one higher than you. 